The Louisville Cardinals have been identified as a team to watch for Washington transfer Keon Minifield. On today's episode of the Locked on the Louisville podcast, we're going to talk about that recruitment and more. So with that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On, the Louisville podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the University of Various Sports. I want to take this time to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. And obviously, just a reminder, the Locked On, the Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team every day. Um, on Monday afternoon, it was announced that Washington guard Keon Minifield was entering the transfer portal. National recruiting analyst Andrew Slater identified the Louisville Cardinals as one of the two teams to watch for moving forward in this recruitment. Um, we'll then discuss a 2024 edge rusher, Noah Carter, having a fantastic visit at Louisville and the implications that that visit had on his future recruitment. And then finally, we'll talk about Louisville offensive lineman Trevor Reed absolutely showing out at the Cardinals Pro Day on Tuesday afternoon. So beginning with the recruiting side of things, men's basketball uh, section, um, obviously we've talked a lot about the transfer portal over the past week or so. We've discussed USC guard Reese Dixon Waters, Coastal Carolina guard Josh Aduje. UNLV guard slash forward Keyshawn Hall. Yesterday, we talked about UNC guard Caleb Love. Today, it's about Washington guard um, Keon Minifield. Minifield, this is an interesting situation because just about a week ago, he announced his return to Washington, but has since changed his mind, has entered the transfer portal as of Monday afternoon. He is, I believe, the sixth scholarship player to um, announce intentions to transfer from the Huskies program. So a little bit of a mass exodus happening um, up in Seattle with the Washington program. A lot of players transferring out. The tweet came out and national recruiting analyst Andrew Slater, who has been very reliable over the past couple of years in terms of predicting players to go to a certain place. Um, he quoted the tweet that had that information and essentially just said, watch out for Louisville and Alabama. Now, you can take this one of two ways. You can take this as, oh, look, it's early in the game. Just because Louisville and Alabama are mentioned here doesn't mean they're going to be um, serious contenders in this recruitment. Or you could take it as this is a national recruiting analyst that um, usually knows what he's talking about, and he doesn't just kind of throw – you know, crap at a wall and hope it sticks. Um, so, you know, you take this for face value here and um, maybe with a grain of salt because things can change very quickly when it is pertaining to the transfer portal, and that's very true. But I trust Slater. Um, however, I will say that it feels like the perception here is that Alabama is probably the presumed leader at this point. Um, now, you'll say, hey, look, Dalton, he just entered the portal around 24 hours ago. So can you put too much stock into this situation? Yes and no. No, because like I said, it, it like you mentioned, it, it still is pretty early. So, um, you know, every player is different. Um, there are 
Um, a lot of players in the portal. Sometimes players take visits, uh, things of that nature. So you can't take it as gospel that Alabama is the presumed leader. But at the same time, you know the notion that there's a saying that essentially goes like, when a player enters the portal, most of the time they know where they're going already. And that's true a lot of cases. So you have to take that into consideration. So hopefully for Louisville's case, that's not the situation that he's a done deal to Alabama. And that's ultimately why he entered the portal because he's going to Alabama. I hope that's not the case Um, for Louisville's sake. I hope that that's not the case. Um, But I, I think that it's beneficial and encouraging that Slater mentioned Louisville in the first place, because I think Minifield, fits exactly what Louisville needs on the court um, as a true lead guard that can create for his teammates. Um, But overall, I think just kind of discussing the transfer portal movements a little bit more, I think it's hard to truly talk about trends in the portal because we're seeing uh, record numbers of players enter the portal each season and there's more people in the portal than seemingly there are spots open for teams. So there's going to be players that enter the portal hoping to find uh, you know, situations in which the grass is greener, and sometimes that's not the case. Um, there is a race for teams to fill up scholarships as quickly as they can to go ahead and fill their teams, but there's also, you know, the concern that you don't want to jump, you know, you know, you don't want to jump at every player in the portal because you never know who's going to enter the portal. There's a lot of back channel communication going on. So that's where the whole notion of a lot of times when a player enters the portal, they already know where they're going uh, or they have an idea of where they're going. And that's not always the same for every team or every player, but I mean, it it is a frequent phenomenon. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like I mentioned, it's a situation to where, I don't want to get too carried away, but there's a lot of players, and it's kind of like a um, a yin-yang. On one side of the table, you have schools that are trying to, um, you know, get players to commit early in hopes that, you know, the – you know, the, the scholarship demand forces players to commit early. And then there's also schools slow playing other players in hopes of other players coming along in the portal. So, um, but enough about the portal movements. Let's talk about Minifield. Minifield on the all Pac-12 freshman team averaged 10 points per game for the Huskies as a freshman. 2.9 rebounds, 3.1 assists per contest, 41% from the field, 33% from behind the arc, 70% from the free throw line, appeared in 32 games, played 28.7 minutes per contest, and started in 21 games up in Seattle this past season. A lot of reason uh, for encouragement when it comes to um, what he could bring to the table here at Louisville. We obviously know that this team needs a you know a, a scoring caliber, starting caliber guard. Excuse me. Um, that's why we talked about Davion McKnight. That's why we talked about Caleb Love. Um, so on and so forth. Um, you know, Keon Minifield is another player in uh, a list of handful of other players that can, um, you know, fill that need for Louisville. I think that he 
um, you know, fits what Louisville is needing more so than maybe a Davion McKnight or a Key or a Keon Minifield. Keon Minifield is, you know, more of a fit than Keon Minifield. No, Keon Minifield is more of a fit than maybe Davion McKnight or Caleb Love. That's not to say that, um, nor, you know, neither Caleb nor Davion would fit here at Louisville because that's not what I'm saying. They obviously would. But I think Keon's ability to be the lead guard and facilitate, you look at the, the assist to turnover ratio, it's nearly two, uh, 3.1 assists to 1.7 turnovers per contest. Um, did a lot of um, handling the basketball at Washington this past season. Has shown that vision to create for his teammates. Um you know, 3.1 assists for a player who shared ball handling duties. Uh, six foot 170, you would think he would need to gain more strength, which I would argue he does, but he still was able to um, absolutely dissect defenses this past season. His ability to create his own shot, he is extremely uh, lethal in transition, uh, extremely quick. Um, you know, has a lot of athleticism for his six foot one frame. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying he's a great perimeter shooter because he's only shooting the ball 33% on about three attempts per contest. But at the end of the day, he's shown that ability to score in the mid-range, to score on fadeaways. Uh, very crafty ball handler to you know, get to his spots on the court to rise up and knock down the jump shot. Um, solid in being able to create his own jump shot. I personally, for me, and this goes with NBA draft scouting, um, high school recruiting scouting, um, college basketball scouting. In my opinion, and I'm not really a analyst, I'm you know a nobody in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think that for the record, the ability to create one's own shot off the dribble is one of the most valuable skills that you can have as a basketball player. Because I think it opens up so much possibility uh, for a player, and Minifield shows that his he has the ability to get to the rim, use that agility, use that ability to change direction very quickly and on a dime. Um, I think that that um, <clears throat> that speed really forces defenses to have to kind of you know send the help defense a lot quicker than they so would used to, um, you know, kind of have that help defense hovering in no man's lane. I think that uh, Minifield really does a great job of taking advantage of that. But for Louisville, obviously, I think um, it would bode well with a partnership with Sky Clark on the court. Um, you know, you have a predominantly scoring combo guard, I, I would say. I don't want to call Sky a two guard because he he can create for his own teammates as well. Um, but I think that Minifield fits in really well as the starting one guard and allowing Sky to be a, a secondary ball handler. So um, overall, I think that this would be a match made up in heaven, so to speak, for the Cardinals. Um, hopefully Slater is correct and that Louisville is one of the teams to watch along with Alabama, and hopefully um, the Cardinals are able to get serious in this recruitment and get a commitment from Mr. Minifield. So um, we're now going to go over into the football side of things, discussing the Flyville 24 class to begin with. Um, four-star edge rusher Noah Carter made an unofficial visit to the Cardinals program this past weekend. It was off the charts. We'll talk about what that means for his recruitment moving forward here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. The tournament has been heating up. The Final Four is this upcoming weekend. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving a new customer 
or giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net all on the app that's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, Cardinal fans, let's move on right on into the second segment of the show. As we mentioned a couple days ago, it was a rather important recruiting weekend on campus for the Cardinals. Obviously, a lot of players visiting a lot of schools this time of year for the rising senior class. Um, one of those players that was on campus, one of the various four stars, is Aristona. Aristona, that's not a state. Um, Arizona edge rusher Noah Carter. Noah is ranked as the 218th best prospect according to on3.com, 19th best edge rusher and 5th best prospect in the state of Arizona. Um, industry ranking uh, between all of the the rating services, he's hovering around the 500 area. Um, 6'3", 220-pound edge rusher from Peoria, Arizona, plays for Centennial High School. Uh, before this, had received some... Um, predictions to Arizona State and why wouldn't they I mean the uh, Sun Devils program is legitimately less than 25 miles away from Peoria so you have that hometown aspect but Noah Carter made the visit to Louisville this past weekend and it was a fantastic one uh, Jody Dimling um, of Cardinal Authority the Louisville 24-7 sports site had a great insightful article with Noah Carter um, just, I believe it came out on Monday, um, that had a couple quotes from Carter. Um, I believe that um, it was some quotes from Will Carter, Noah Carter's father. Um, I'm going to read you some of these expert excerpts. Uh, after the visit, Carter's father reports the visit was even better than expected. Um, they toured the facilities, watched spring practice, spent time getting to know the staff, came away impressed. Uh, this is a quote. I had my doubts and initial thoughts were without having ever been there. But my initial thoughts were wrong from the start. The staff made us feel comfortable from the first moment until we left. They really had a well-planned, thought-out visit for us. He goes on to say, I know they are new as a staff, and that was one of my initial concerns, but my takeaway after the visit is that they are going to do a great job. We had an amazing time, and it seemed like um, they have been doing this together and have been and have known each other for a long time. It's a real family feel. That's what won me over. Um, Brahm is transparent, and he's straight up. He sold his program and his vision um, – he had this, this or I think that this is Carter speaking. I'm an energy guy, and I think I like to have a good feel. Oh, no, this is a Carter's father still. Um, I'm an energy guy, and I like to think I have a good feel. I would feel good with my son going to Louisville if that's where he's 100% sold on because I really believe after spending time there that they have a great game plan moving forward. Um, so just goes to show you that um, I think that this kind of reflects a lot of concerns from players that are going long distance um obviously it seems like there wasn't a lot of familiarity with the global program uh with the global coaching staff and i think that that's one of the reasons why players from the west coast mainly 
tend to stay on the West Coast, and players from the South mainly tend to stay in the South. Players from the North mainly usually stay in the North, and same thing goes with players on the East Coast. It's a geographical thing. That's not always the case, and I don't think that that's the end-all, be-all. Um, but a lot of times, you have to understand, these recruits are human. Players get homesick. There's a certain level of concern and a certain level of anxiety you know, going to school 1,500 miles away that you can only go visit home if you travel by airplane. So I, I think that that's something to focus on here, um, and, and I'm glad that Carter had a solid visit that made him feel at home. We know that Louisville's uh, you know, call to um, one of their successes in the recruiting realm over the past two decades is having that home feel. Uh, Louisville's not too big, but it's not too small either as a school. It's a college town that really embraces this university, and I think that that works to its advantage um, that the university represents the community and vice versa. So um, I like that Carter had a solid visit. I think that this bodes well for his recruitment moving forward. Does that mean that um, – they can coast, obviously not. Um, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, um, Iowa State, Texas. A lot of schools are going to be in the mix for a pretty solid, pretty elite prospect. Um, this past season for Centennial had 14 sacks, 33 total tackles. Um, also played as a receiver, 348 yards and four touchdowns. Um, as of right now, it doesn't seem like there is a Timeline for the recruitment for Noah Carter, um, as Jody Dimling mentioned in his article. But right now, you have to feel good that the visit was solid for Louisville. I think that that's what you're hoping for for all of the visits that Louisville is able to, um, you know, bring players in on over the next couple months as we head into the summer where we'll have camps, a more official visit weekends, so on and so forth. I would like to see Carter back on campus for an official visit to kind of continue to build that relationship with the staff, continue to incre increase that familiarity. But it's nice to have uh, the family on the Louisville side or at least fond of Louisville at the very least because that, that means a lot. Um, and I think that, you know, you can say, well, of course, a player is going to say that they enjoyed a visit. It's new off of their mind. Um, you know, it's fresh. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. Um, and I get it. You know, recruits tend to say the same things about visits. But I think that this bodes a little bit more weight because it's a player from out west. We see a lot of players from California show a lot of interest over the past couple seasons with Flyville becoming a thing. Um, and I would like to see that trend continue. Obviously, um, you have Jawar Jordan, who is from Arizona. You have Jermaine Lolay, who played at Arizona State. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, that West Coast appeal can help with this recruitment players that are from the West Coast. Um, but overall, uh, you'll ha you have to like where Louisville sits in this recruitment. I think that... Um, there probably is some concern with Brom and company um, being so new to the university and um, you know having to establish those relationships again that previous players had uh, established with Scott Satterfield. But I think players are going to understand that um, you know this is um, this is a home run hire for Louisville, and if there's one guy that gets it for this university, it's it's Jeff Brom. 
And um, I think that recruits are starting to understand that. And you're starting to see a lot of optimism, even more so than there was, you know, late in the summer for Scott Satterfield. So, um, but not all, it's not the only exciting thing that's happening in the Ville in terms of football recruiting. Um, Also, the Cardinals Pro Day on Tuesday afternoon, various members of the team um, went through some individual drills and things of that nature in front of um, the majority of NFL teams and a lot of solid performances. Trevor Reed specifically, absolutely tested fantastically. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, I want to say thank you all again for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, including YouTube, WHAS 11 Plus, and more five days a week, your team, every day. Trevor Reed um, has been a player who has played a solid role on the Louisville offensive line since transferring in from the JUCO ranks um, a couple seasons ago. Split time at left tackle, um, you know, when he joined Louisville. Um, But I think that definitely as his time with the Cardinals progressed, you saw him start more. The former player from Georgia Military College, um, you know, six foot five, 311 pounds, started all 13 games at left tackle in 2021, um, was a key um, piece on that offensive line that helped the Cardinals to 450 yards per game offensively. Another solid offensive line uh, piece this season as well. Um, overall, I think that he had a pretty successful career with the Cardinals, but not necessarily a ton of NFL draft buzz surrounding, you know, him. Um, so he performs in did some individual tests at the uh, Cardinals Pro Day, and he absolutely crushed it. Uh, measured in at six foot four, three hundred eleven pounds, had uh, twenty five reps on the bench, which is extremely solid. Four point nine forty. If you look at all of the test numbers from the NFL Combine just a couple weeks ago, 4.940 would have ranked number one out of all of the offensive linemen. Had a 10-foot-4 inch uh, broad jump, um, which would have measured number one among all offensive line. And this is the one that gets me. He had a 38-inch vertical which also ranked number one among all the offensive line. You understand the trend here. He tested probably about as good as you could have hoped for. And a lot of draft scouts, um, you know, NFL draft analyst um, Justin M. from um, the Draft Network was the one who tweeted these stats out. And there were some other ones that I saw essentially basically saying, hold up here. He did what now? And I think that you're starting to – I think that this pro day – I'm not saying that he's going to be a guy who's going to get drafted in the first round, but for for a player who's probably projected anywhere from probably round six to seven, could see his stock rise a little bit. I want to read to you um, what NFLDraftBuzz.com says about uh, Trevor Reed's game. This is what they have listed as his weaknesses. Uh, Seems too focused on winning with his hands, too often stopping his feet. 
uh, plays with poor balance in the run game, lunging into contact rather than sinking his hips and delivering a block. Has good, not great feet. Uh, dealing with speed at the edge will likely be a problem. More of a waist bender, but with subpar feet, and he too often ends up reaching and lunging. Needs to work on technique and pass pro using more consistent leverage and continuing to move his feet. I think that, uh, you know, those tests with the, um, you know, the – the vertical um, with that uh, broad jump with the uh, 40 foot or 40 foot dash, 40 yard dash. I think the way that he tested for his size is going to lead a lot of scouts to really bank on that potential. If they can um, just continue to refine that footwork and refine some of that technique, looking at the strengths that they have listed um, takes much more pride in the run game um, plays through the whistle made Bruce Feldman's freak list ranked number 22. Um, Obviously, being a guy uh, over 300 pounds, running a 4.9 and jumping in a 38-inch vertical, that's huge. Uh, quick out of his stance with the footwork to be effective in front of screens. A work in progress with high-end physical traits, extremely light on his feet. Uh, a natural knee bender who plays with balance and leverage. As a pass protector, he plays with good balance and holds up against the bull rush. Has strong hands and does a nice job gripping and latching on once he has his hands on the pass rusher. Has the functional strength to hold up against the bull rush and he shows exceptionally quick and precise hands. So I think that um, obviously he has some stuff to work on, but at the end of the day, I do uh, feel very encouraged by how he tested. I think that that's going to make some scouts who I think the majority of NFL draft scouts were there for Lowell's pro day, uh, make them do a double take and a player who's six, four, 311 pounds running a four, nine uh, jumping 38 inches vertically and a 10, four broad jump. I think that that's a uh, huge for his draft stock. So Hopefully we see his name called sooner rather than later on draft weekend. But thanks again for making Locked On Louisville your first listen today. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here very soon.